like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to the Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. So, we are on our second to last episode of 2021. We are in Through the Cracks, uh, a, a theme I finally got right two weeks in a row. Um, this, Yes, uh, th- this theme is all about the movies that came out this year that we don't want to miss before the year ends. Uh, which is especially challenging for me this month as I am uh, actively trying to make sure I've seen all the big movies leading up to our CACF vote, um, which I have one more day to catch some movies before I cannot, they're not eligible for me to vote for if I have not seen them by the 24th. Um, And this was one of the movies that I needed to see. And this is the Velvet Underground, a documentary that is uh, currently streaming on Apple TV plus. But before we get into that movie, we like to catch up with how we've been doing and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how are you doing? Uh, I wish I could say that I'm so happy that it's the weekend, but we're recording a day early, so <laughs> that's <laughs> I can't say that right now. But the weekend is quickly approaching. <laughs> and... Do you have to work on Christmas Eve? Yes. That That's kind of lame. Um, I wasn't sure if you got off or not. I wish I could, but I'm on a very small team of seven people. I'm one of seven people, and I had Black Friday off. So I'm very thankful that I had a four-day weekend last month. And I have some time coming up that I'm going to take off that I'm pretty excited about. So I'm just biding my time. It'll be okay. That's good. I mean, um, it's been cold up there for you, right? Like, is, is it still snowing or... Yesterday it rained. Um, it was being in like the high twenties, I think, in the low thirties when it was snowing, mm. and then it's been like I think it was in the high thirties, and then today it was in the mid forties. Y'all, mid forties is so mild here. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just much different. As long as it's not snowing, I'm good. <laughs> it's pretty, but that can stay on the mountains. Yeah, it it was uh this morning was the coldest it's been for about a month. It was uh in the forties, um, so I didn't run in the morning. I actually ran in the afternoon because it was only like sixty five when I ran this afternoon. Uh, so I was like, hey, that's not so bad. Um, but I have uh, you know, this week was our first week of vacation. Um, and I have taken my vacation this week. Next week I do have some work I got to do and stuff to get ready for going back and making sure my Polk State classes are are good. Uh and ready to go. But, um, this week I was like, no, I'm not going to work. Cause I, I had, I had film criticism work to do. Cause as I mentioned, I'm trying to get through a bunch of these 2021 movies, uh, which you will see a long list coming up here momentarily. But, um, I've also tried to spend time with family when possible. Uh, you know, Taylor works, um, now cause she's almost 18. Uh, she'll be 18 in April. Um, I know. Uh, but she, um, so she's been working like the last three nights, and then uh, Kathy works during the day. So it's pretty much just me and the dogs. And boy, I love our dogs, but I don't like being home with them because they get really spoiled with going out. Like they only go out, you know, normally no one's home for most of the day. Right. So like they go out in the morning, they go out in the afternoon, they go out once or twice at night, depending on if, you know, sometimes their tummies aren't feeling good or whatever. 
But he just, Frankie just stares at me if he has to go to the bathroom. Like, I mean, he just sits at the end of my chair and just locks eyes with me until I walk him. And I'm just like, dude, we've been out so many times today. And he's just staring at me. I'm like, oh, you know what? Fine. We'll go again. And it was, it was, today was the worst. He was just driving me crazy. Just staring at me. I'm like, I can't, I can't take it. Um, the other downside being home, I eat more than I would normally eat. Cause like there's stuff here. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can have this and I can't. And like, and I'm also like, it's, it's the holiday. I'm going to really crack down after Christmas. Uh, cause I, I'm, I, I have not gained weight back, but I've not lost weight for over a year now. Like I really want to hit my goal weight. I'm still like 20 or 30 pounds away. So I'm going to really, that's my, my focus for the beginning of this year is to get back like to weight loss. You know, uh, hopefully that will stay op- uh, possible with the Omicron kind of circulating around in Florida it doesn't seem to be it obviously has to be but we don't we don't hear about it um so i'm just kind of like it doesn't look like anything's going to shut down so i will continue to take my precautions um and and stay socially distant wear a mask when i'm working out and all that but as, as it looks like i'm going to be business as usual in the next couple of weeks so um that is my current plan and so i have been home and i've had way too many sweets because we made cookies the other night and that was bad and then uh we ended up getting to go to dinner my wife and my daughter and i we went to ihop which i have not been to in some time and i was like i'm gonna get an omelet because omelet i can i get egg whites it's it's pretty healthy by comparison to a lot of other stuff you can get at a restaurant but i was like "I'm, i'm gonna allow myself pancakes and i have not had ihop pancakes in probably oh, like so good. four years and they are so good i was like this feels so wrong but i'm, it's I'm so not right. it's so good uh so i was not i'm not mad at myself because again i did get an egg white omelet to go with the pancakes but i found out something that i thought was weird last night Corey. Oh God. when you order a hamburger at ihop you can get fries you can get onion rings you can get seasonal fruit if you're trying to you know be healthy i don't know why they don't have like a vegetable uh at, at this diner but um or you can get two pancakes. Hold on, with a hamburger? With the hamburger as your side, you can get oh my two God. pancakes. How, how about you put the burger on the pancakes? That was my argument to Kathy. She didn't go for it. She but said I was, no. She she got onion rings. Um, but I mean onion rings. That's a solid choice too. Right, right. Uh, and a, and a more logic like that's what one might expect with a burger. But I I don't know when they added that as a feature. But it blew my mind. I feel like it's probably always been a feature, and we it just probably has. weren't living correctly. Because I mean, like as I ordered my omelet, and I had a choice of like pancakes or hash browns or the fruit, and you can do fries or whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let myself have pancakes. That sounds real good. I could go for some pancakes. But then, like uh, when Taylor ordered her burger, and the woman was like, "Do you want fries, onion rings, pancakes?" I'm like, "Hold on." <laughs> And then I looked at the menu, like, yep, that's that's on the menu. It's literally right there. Never would have in a million years thought that that was an option. But hey, uh, I guess pancakes are a side. Um, and I mean, at IHOP, I guess that makes a lot of sense. That is a side. But, you know, uh, that was like the one like little family dinner we got to do um, this weekend. It was kind of unexpected because we thought uh, Taylor was supposed to work, but she had gave up her shift to someone else. So she ended up being home. So we, we took advantage and went and got some dinner. But uh, I think that leads to what we've been watching. Um, I'm definitely letting you go first, because if you have watched more than me, that would be insane. I haven't. I don't think I ever will. Um, Okay, I'll go first. So don't come at me. I don't want your hate mail. I don't want none of that. 
I don't know what my husband was thinking, but he really wanted to watch one of the Avengers movies. The one before Endgame. Infinity War. I blanked it out. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. So I was like sitting there and I'm like, Bill, I think that we've watched this. And I'm like, I'm so sure we watched this. And then I figured it out. I think that I watched it last time our mutual friend and I were at Shaky Knees 500 oh. years ago, pre-COVID. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember turning to him and being like, oh my God, it's so funny that they don't even have Elizabeth Olsen doing that horrible accent in this one. Yeah, she she phased that out pretty quickly after uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. So that's what that was. But it was like, I've never seen this movie before, and I swore that we did. But anyway, he made me watch that, guys. And if you like those movies, that's great. They are not for me. They're not for me. Like, I've tried. I've watched multiple, multiple Marvel movies. And they're just not for me. Um, so that's what I spent two and a half hours of my very... It wasn't even like I was weaving while I was doing it. Because I was finishing up a Christmas gift that took me about ten hours. Ten hours um, of time I just didn't have. So, and then I finished season six of Fear of the Walking Dead. And... Then I watched Velvet Underground, and that's all. Well, um, I finished Hawkeye uh, season, uh, the only season, episode six dropped on Wednesday. I'm a big fan of the show. I wasn't as big of a fan of the finale. It's not bad. I just, it felt a little rushed. Like, they, they maybe left too many things for the last episode, so it felt like they were, like, trying to push through some things. Um, I really like Haley Steinfeld. I love Florence Pugh as Yelena, who premiered in Black uh, Black Widow. Um, and I love some of the the twists that I leave out. But um, if you if you're a fan of Marvel, unlike Corey, uh, I recommend it. I am a big fan. I, if anything, I have been too kind to the Marvel movies. I love most of them. Um, there's only a couple that I don't support. And uh, one of my favorite movies of this year right now is Spider Man No Way Home. So uh, complete other side of that spectrum, but. Um, I mentioned last week that I'm I, I'm going to hit 400 movies this year. I'm well over, actually. I'm at 398 right now. Um, of me saying things? No, of oh. noises. Like, I should have, uh, like, a party one to do right now. Ooh, okay. Um, we, there's apps for that. Uh, but, um, so, yeah, it's, it's December 23rd, so I will easily see two movies this weekend. So I will be well over 400 by New Year's Eve, um, is what I'm saying. So... Uh, which I thought my highest movie total ever was 384 from 2016 when I did Burke reviews. I forgot though, in 2018, I went to South by Southwest. I went to Tribeca and I went to the Florida film festival. So I actually beat the 384 that year. by like two, I hit like 386, but I'm still going to hit 400, which will be the most movies that I know I've ever watched for sure. It's possible when I was younger and I was seeing movies all the time, I might've hit 400 just wasn't counting or, or logging them on letterbox, which I do now. Um, but so this week has been active uh watching movies i believe i was at 380 when we recorded last friday um in fact i know uh i was at uh 381 i believe when we recorded last friday because i watched uh the movie for last week on friday so i've watched basically 17 movies um since we last spoke holy 
uh, averaging about three a day, a couple of days I only did two, but, um, the, so Saturday I watched the Velvet Underground and I watched this movie called Nine Days. I love Nine Days so much. It's so in my wheelhouse. It is such an interesting sci-fi premise. Maybe fantasy premise is even a little more accurate because it's not science per se, but, uh, tremendous cast, just really, really, uh, my type of movie. Um, then I caught on uh, Sunday, I caught two documentaries and a drama. Uh, I watched a documentary about Julia Childs called Julia. I only really knew about Julia Childs through Julia and Julia, Julie and Julia, um, the Amy Adams, Meryl Streep two-hander um, that I liked a lot when I watched it many years ago. This doc is really great. I was really, really hooked in it. I was so c- compelled by everything it was informing me about Julia Childs, and I'm now an even bigger fan of, of her legacy. Um, then I caught a documentary called the lost Leonardo, which I didn't know this, but a few years ago, a, uh, a painting was discovered to, they believe a, a Leonardo da Vinci that had never been seen before of Jesus Christ. Um, and it's, it's very much like the sibling to Mona Lisa is the way they were marketing it. There's a dispute as to whether or not it actually is a da Vinci, but nevertheless, uh, the documentary reveals the kind of crazy, journey the painting ends up on and like the the buyer auctions and it kind of informs you of the whole art world in a way that i had not known anything it's very compelling very interesting and also real shady and it made me feel like a poor person um but uh worth checking out um there was a movie called the souvenir came out in 2019 um that stars tilda swinton's daughter and tilda swinton's in it but it stars her daughter uh, it's directed by Joanna Hogg. Um, the second part came out this year. Uh, I I didn't remember the first one that well. I didn't. It didn't click for me like it did for some other people. I've kind of come to terms with why that is. It's a personal like kind of like why we don't like don't breathe. Um, there, I just I had an issue with the way we were supposed to feel for a character and the way I actually felt for the character. Um, that kind of put me at odds. But the second one is a direct continuation from that one. Um, but I found it much more compelling and it didn't have the character that i was having a hard time connecting with is not in this one in the same way so it it helped me to like be away from it um definitely the best international film i've seen this year but possibly one of the best films i've seen this year called drive my car oh man Corey, this movie is like three hours 90 percent talking and i loved every second of it um i i watched it on a sunday morning with a cup of coffee uh, I woke up early. I woke up at 6 a.m. It might have been Monday morning. What's the 20th? Whatever day the 20th was. That's Monday. I woke up 6 a.m. on Monday. My alarm was set for 7. My brain said time to get up. Made a cup of coffee. Went and sat in the, the, the man room. Turned on drive my car. And was just taken by it for three hours. It, it's a masterpiece of a film. It won't work for everybody. But I think for film lovers, it is definitely just so brilliant. Um, the first hour, I think, will work for almost everybody. And then it's how on board are you with the rest of it is going to kind of vary on your own taste. But for me, it worked the entire way through. It was emotional, visually compelling, such a cool visual. I, in my head assumed it was going to be a three hour road movie. Cause it's called drive my car. It is not that, uh, there is a lot of scenes in a car, but it is not a road movie, uh, in that way. Um, but yeah, just outstanding later that day. I watched the new Joel Cohen film, the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, that has Denzel Washington playing Macbeth. Um, I taught Romeo and Juliet 
when I taught English uh, several years ago, and I, I became very aware of Romeo and Juliet. And I can follow the, the Shakespearean language very well with that particular story. Everything outside of that one that I've not academically studied or taught, I I get so lost uh, with the dialogue. And it makes me feel like Larry the Cable Guy. Like all my like they're like saying all these brilliant things, and I'm like, get her done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't read him either. Um, I, I feel like uh, you have to do the work and I do trying to do the work when they're saying it out loud is very hard. Cause you're just like, like, I'm like, I'm aware how brilliant these actors are. They are doing brilliant things. The look of this movie is fantastic. Like the black and white cinematography and the, the light and shadow for the sets. Gorgeous movie. I was lost and I'm, I'm familiar with Macbeth. I've never taught it and I read it once in high school. So it's been 20 years. I was definitely lost. Like, I'm like, I know the basic framework. I don't know if I'm supposed to care about that guy. I don't know what this is doing. And so for me, I was by the end, I was like, okay, I really want this to be over. Cause I feel like I'm not, I'm just not following what's happening. Um, I think fans of Macbeth who like know it and have read it will probably love this movie. Um, it is very much, it does feel more like a play than a movie. Like there's not a lot of like crazy cine- cinematic things going on. It's very stage. Like uh, the sets are, are like the, the angles that we see things are cinematic, but like, as far as the production design, it is done more like it's in a theater. You know, there's just like a very simple castle set with really cool lighting, but that's it. It's not going to be like a big epic battle. Like they did a Michael Fassbender Macbeth a few years ago. That was like a war movie. This is not that this is a very controlled set piece, very much a uh, Oscar play, you know, but it's still good. I did again, have a hard time with the Shakespearean thing, but that's, that's a me thing. So then, Corey, I watched this movie called The Worst Person in the World. Um, Not me, obviously. An international film. I believe it's uh, Norwegian. And um, I, I thought it was going to be more of a comedy. And it is. There is humor in it. Um, but I was really taken by this movie. I liked it a whole lot. There is a part towards the end that really hit hard. And I was, I was <laughs> very much like, okay, I love this movie. Like, I was like... I like this movie. And then the scene at the end, I was like, I love this movie. This movie really, really worked for me. Um, then I caught Sean Baker's new film, Corey. It's called Red Rocket. You might remember Sean Baker as the director of the Florida Project and Tangerine. Um, yes. Um, Dude, I, go ahead. I, so they're like advertising this movie again. And I forgot about this movie because it seems like it's mm. been 27 years. What are we talking about? Red Rocket? Yes. Interesting. I had not ever saw a trailer for this at all. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what before what so movie. But... It has uh, Simon Rex, who I think was a VJ at one point, but he was in a lot of the later bad, scary movie movies like three, four and five. And then he's in a few of the other like parody films. Um, he's really good in this. And I was like totally surprised by that. But um, Baker, again, um, a lot of new actors or non-actors. Uh, his kind of trademark style. It's it's a brilliant film. It is not an easy film to recommend because uh, Simon Rex is playing a kind of washed up porn star um, returning home to Texas uh, after uh, being gone and tries to like rekindle things with his wife who he hasn't seen for a long time. You know, they were s- still married, but they have not been together for a long while. Um, and she's not exactly wanting him there. And uh it deals with a lot of the tough situations. Um, but the, the part where the movie gets real challenging is he, he finds what he sees to be his ticket back into the industry. 
um, a young girl who uh, seems to have a knack for the, the, the business. And this is not Baker's first uh, foray into the sex industry. Tangerine is about, uh, you know, transsexual sex workers. And then uh, the film before that, his first film, Starlet, is also about um, porn to a degree. Uh, not at first, but it is there. Um, so he does it, I think, very tastefully considering the subject matter. But it is, you know, it's a tough subject matter. So, uh, but if you like Sean Baker's style, I think Red Rocket is definitely worth checking out. I, I watched Titan. Movie's wild, Corey. It's very wild. I don't know what that means. I it, It's so hard to explain. Uh, I had no idea. I only knew one part of it. I knew that a person was in love with a car. And that they had sex. What? Yes, I knew that. That's the only thing I knew about it. And it's not a spoiler because that is in the beginning of the movie. Now, there is some debate, I think, that could be had as to whether that sex is consensual or not. Um, and the rest of the movie, I had no idea because there's a lot going on. And, um, yeah, it's a wild movie. Uh because there's a, there's of course going to be consequences to what I just said. Um, not the first movie to have this concept, mind you. Uh, cr- apparently, David Cronenberg's Crash is also about that to a degree. Um, I've not seen that movie though, and apparently, this one is much more human in a lot of ways. As far as like this, the it's not really about that. That's like one inciting incident type thing that does play throughout the film, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that cuts. It's it's wild. I don't fully know how I feel about it. I've read a lot of reviews. It's I had to look away from the screen several times, though, because there's a lot of body horror, um, which, which to be expected, same director from Raw. I like Raw far more. But Titan's wild. So, like, I, I it's if you're into wild horror, it's definitely worth checking out. That said, it's real wild. Like, that's all I can say. Um, I needed it to uh, tone down for a bit, so I watched the Roadrunner uh, documentary, not about the bird. It's oh, a film about Anthony Bourdain. So um, good. The, you, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it in theaters a few oh. months ago or more. Well, it's Morgan Neville, who I do uh, I like because he directed Won't You Be My Neighbor, and that's one, probably my favorite documentary ever because I love Mr. Roger. Um, and I think he does a great job here as well. Uh, I think there's there's been a lot of ethical debate about the making of this movie um, and how some of the topics are tackled. And also because Anthony Bourdain had recently killed himself. And that's even someone in the interviews even brings that up to him. It's, it's a big risk to, to do that kind of thing, right? Like to make a movie about a guy who just killed himself. Um, but it's, I, I didn't know much about him to be honest, but I found, you know, I knew the show and, I, and that was one of the criticisms I read uh, was that, the documentary really only focuses on the time when he's famous, like when his book blows up to, to his death and not how he got to the point where so he was able to write the book kind of thing, you know, like his early life. And I think that's a fair criticism because this is the stuff that most people would have already known had they been interested in him. I had not been no, no, I was not disinterested. I just never got into his shows or anything. Um, also he, some of the shows look like he ate some pretty gross food and I don't like watching that. So um, I'm more of a traditional cooking show guy, uh, but nevertheless, definitely worth checking out. Um, I saw Lamb. Did you see Lamb? 
No, and I, I, there's just something about that one that is making me very uncomfortable. So I don't really know when I'll get to that one. It, it's not. Uh, it's. I. I. I think it's. Well, the thing that you may be expecting isn't part of the movie. Um. It. It's. It's not a great movie. So like, I'm not pushing you to watch it either. It's not a bad movie. It's very like functional. Um. I actually think the design of the lamb child is adorable. Um. Like I showed a picture to Kathy. Like not. It's just, I'm like you can't watch this movie. But here's the picture of the thing that I think you would love. And she, of course, was like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, it's very cute. Um, so I don't fully get what the movie's trying to do. And that's where I have an, the biggest issues with it is it, it feels like at some point it just is like, yep, we're doing this now. I'm like, oh, oh, are we? I'm like, yep. I'm like, OK, but why? And I'm like, no, nah, don't ask. I'm like, oh, but that's that's kind of what I do is I ask is the movie's like, no, you're not going to get an answer. I'm like, well, all right, then. I'm not going to like it as much. And it's like, well, too bad. I'm like, all right, well, there you go, movie. You did your thing. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just fine. Um, I think it could have been a lot better. It had it done a few different things. Um, And at the same time, I think I came, I did, I feel like I finally came up with maybe what it was going for. I still don't think it's executed as well as it could have been, but at least I feel like I have some kind of answer, but it took like talking to Matt about it to like even get to that point. So um, it's weird. It is weird. But it's not as weird as it looks in the trailer. And it's not as scary as it looks like. It's tra- like the trailer tries to make it feel like witch. Like it's just this like really psychological. It's not. It's not that at all. There's even times in the movie where like it drops like this. Re- like I had the captions on because it's, it's an Icelandic film. And it was like, you know, I had the actual captions on. So it like described sounds and stuff too. And it was like ominous music. I'm like, but why? Because nothing happens. Like it's, there's no reason for it to be ominous. It's just... Like the movie wants you to think something's going to happen. And a lot of times nothing happens. That's not to say nothing happens, but a lot of times nothing happens. Like it, it, there is this kind of air of concern and fear in the, the movie, but it's, it's not really there like in a horror film. I was going to say, I hate when they do that, when they keep building, 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 and then. Yeah. But yeah and i can't say because i don't want to spoil anything it yeah. there there is something it's just not yeah um also, but oh go ahead i was gonna say i think my meter is off because sometimes when they're like please blah 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 music and i'm like that's not how that music makes me feel at all guys so bad job uh, <laughs> you know? yeah ominous music plays no um so i the last i watched a, a couple of documentaries since uh lamb i watched val the documentary about Val Kilmer that is all footage he'd filmed throughout his career um, and life. Uh, and it's really great. Um, the hardest part though, I don't know if you know that Val had throat cancer and uh, so he can't speak normally right now. He has the, like a tracheotomy, I believe is the correct Ooh. term. Um, and so he, he's plugging the hole to talk. Um, and I, I f- found that very, very hard to, to, listen to um understandably and i i mean no disrespect but for me it was like it was really really jarring um and emotional though like it 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 hits in the documentary but yeah it it did not it was not an enjoyable thing for me um but again not not trying to criticize i actually really love the documentary um but that was just like if it that kind of voice bothers you and it's not he's not using like an electric thing he's just plug in the hole and then he has like a scratchy thing and there's like a breathing suction thing 
I, I had an encounter when I was younger with a guy who had a similar but did not have the money that Val Kilmer had, so his surgery was nowhere near as clean. Um, and I will never be able to like comfortably deal with that because I my brain just knows what's happening and it it freaks me out more than anything. Like so, that's more where I'm coming from with that. But sorry to get fixated on it, but I couldn't help it. This morning I watched Becoming Cousteau. Uh, the it's a documentary about Jacques Cousteau, who I knew about, but also knew nothing about. Apparently, um, like I knew he was the guy who made like C documentaries. Didn't know everything the man had accomplished and did and contributed to like scuba diving and uh, even more. Had no clue how much he influenced Life Aquatic. Um, uh, down to the beanies, Corey. Like the beanies are his. Like his crew wears black shirt, black pants, and red beanie. And I was like. Well, son of a gun, I had no idea that was like a costuming decision that Anderson pulled from Cousteau. Um, but yeah, and he didn't think of his movies as documentaries. He thought of them as adventure films because he was t- risking his him and his crew's life doing these things. Like they're, they're, they were inventing the stuff they were using. Like no one else had made, like now when people do like scuba diving, it's like they're using things that he created. So it's insane uh, to see kind of where they all spawned from. So it was a very cool documentary. Um, it's a Nat Geo doc. I think it will be if it's not already on Disney Plus. I caught uh, this was a recommendation from Big Tuna. I watched a cop movie, um, which is on Netflix. Uh, it is about the Mexican police force, um, and half of the movie is reenactments, and half of it is interviews. And I won't say how that plays out. It's quite interesting structure wise. I don't think the movie does a great job of really tackling what it's claiming is that it's. Um, it's showing the corruption of the, the Mexican police. I don't I don't think it shows it. I think we have two officers who are telling us that they're corrupt, but they aren't really able to show it because they, you know, they would have gotten in trouble like filming it kind of thing, you know. So there isn't like, quote unquote, evidence. Um, is it probable based on the, the stories don't sound that far fetched and like we've seen other stories of corruption within the police over the years. So is it possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible, but I don't think as a documentary, it's doing that footwork and maybe it can't, but um, it's still an interesting movie and a very compelling story, but um, and presentation. Uh, And then last I watched kind of the, uh, the sister movie, uh, sister might not be fair, the brother movie to Woodstock, the documentary about the Woodstock festival. Um, it's called Summer of Soul, and this is on Hulu right now, actually. Um, Summer of Soul, uh, parentheses, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Um, and so I didn't know this, but on the same day as Woodstock in New York City, um, I don't know exactly where, but it was somewhere near Harlem, they had a, a Harlem Cultural Festival with over 300,000 people and amazing performances, like um Gladys Knight uh Stevie Wonder is there I mean there's so many uh, Nina Simone B.B. King plays um just insane amounts of iconic uh mostly black artists happening simultaneously as Woodstock and this documentary uh has was filmed it wasn't filmed as a documentary it was filmed as a concert and then they didn't air it on tv so for 50 years the footage of this concert has been buried no one has seen it until this documentary um, where they put it together. They've done some talking head interviews. They kind of talk about the significance of this. Um, 
and it's much shorter than the Woodstock documentary, uh, which I think is four hours or three and a half hours. This is only an hour and 17 or 117 minutes. So just under two hours. Um, the, the cinematography is really strong. Uh, a lot of the talking heads from today, so, some of them are really cool because they have some of the artists who performed getting to watch their performances for the first time because no one had seen the footage until recently. So like those are really cool moments where like you see them like tearing up, watching themselves and like reminiscing of this event from this from 1966, I think is when this happened. 69, 69. Um, so, yeah, if, if you are into music, if you are into the 60s, especially um, civil rights movement, I think this is definitely worth checking out. And Lin-Manuel Miranda just keeps popping up and everything. He, he has a talking head in this. Uh, seems like they just grabbed any celebrities who wanted to talk about it. But um, this is a big event that I didn't know happened. And so it's cool to see the documentary about it. Uh, it's, again, Summer of Soul. And then just before recording, I did watch uh, something not from this year. Uh, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York because I hadn't watched it yet and Christmas is in two days. So, um, whew, sorry, folks. I've watched a lot of stuff. Uh, you do not have to watch everything I've watched, but I will be voting for some of these movies uh, this week. So I had to get them checked off the, the, the list. I got, I'm hoping tomorrow um, on Netflix is the new Adam McKay movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, it's like a huge cast called Don't Look Up that drops on Netflix tomorrow. Um, and I'm debating driving an hour to go see Licorice Pizza, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Well, it's Christmas Eve and um, I've, I have permission. There's a four o'clock show because it's, it's weird. It's officially not out till Saturday. So they're doing like the Thursday premiere times tomorrow. Um, so I'm just like, it, it's like if they had a noon show, it'd be hands down going. That, that's perfect. I can make it. But four, it does put me like at a weird time, like driving. I'm driving at like seven o'clock home. I probably won't get home till like seven thirty or so. I'm driving like six thirty, which not late, but I'm going to run into traffic on Christmas Eve, and that, that has me a little like, oh, do I really want to risk it? But it's in Claremont, which is not super trafficy. Like I, I have that little stint where people are getting off and going towards Orlando, but I, it's it's not going to Orlando myself, so I, I think I'm going to do it, but still winging it for now but folks that is what i've been watching uh many many movies as i round out the year um whew, let's talk about the velvet underground which i watched last saturday um again this is a 2021 documentary that is on apple tv plus about the band the velvet underground directed by and written technically written by todd haynes uh who i didn't put this together when we picked this movie but we just watched another movie of his uh when we did our musical biopics, because he directed um, the Bob Dylan movie that I can't think of the title. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not there. I'm, I'm not, not there. there. And then I've never seen this, but I think you have. He also directed Velvet Goldmine in 1998. Yeah. Um, and Carol, which I still have not watched and I need to watch. I one day will. Um, but Carol, Carol, uh, not a, not a, it is, I think it is actually a biopic, but it is, um, Kate Blanchett and uh, Rooney Mara, I think. Um, so I've seen some of his movies. He's done a few other things. Apparently, he did a music video for uh, Sonic Youth. Um, the songs disappear. I know you're a fan of of that band. Um, <gasps> She's coming to Tree Fort. It's a it's a woman. So it it's a whole band, but Kim so. Kim Gordon 
is like one of the main people, she and her ex-husband. So uh-huh. they're never ever getting back together. I will never get to see Sonic Youth. But she's coming here solo for Tree Fort and I'm very excited. Interesting. Um so this documentary, directed by Todd Haynes, who's done a bunch of things uh that people like. We've liked at least two of them. Um I haven't watched Velvet Underground either. I need to watch that. Uh I do find it interesting because I was so confused because I thought that movie Velvet Vel- what did I just call it? Velvet Goldmine? <laughs> Oh, you just called it Velvet Underground. And I was going to say, well, I, I hope you watched it. <laughs> so, sorry, the Velvet, Velvet, Gold, well, that's exactly what I was about to say, though. For a while, I assumed that Velvet Goldmine was about Velvet Underground because I didn't know much about Velvet Underground. And the fact that it's the same director was wild to me. because I'm like, oh, that's so weird because I was confused about it before I knew it was the same director. And now I'm definitely going to mess it up. And I just did. So the proof in the, in the pudding there. Um, has an 87 on Metacritic, um, 7.5 IMV user score. Uh, I picked this one because uh, Big Tuna highly recommended this film. In fact, I love uh, I love the Sparks Brothers documentary that Edgar Wright did, and Tuna was like, "This one is even better." And I was like, "That's mind-boggling," because I knew nothing about uh, the Sparks Brothers. I know nothing about Velvet Underground, so I went into this same kind of attitude. I like this movie. I it, I actually right before we recorded, I started listening to the Velvet Underground. I was actually kind of vibing it, and I I wasn't loving the music while watching the documentary. I I it feels too like loosey goosey, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's ah. But see, this is the where we are different in our musical taste. I we am very, very conventional very with my different. music taste. Um, I'm I am like oh Taylor Swift has a new album, awesome, and I know you also like T Swift. But T Swift is very conventional with her music for the most part. Granted, she like flexes genre, but as far as like her song structure, it's very normal sounding. It's very polished. It's very produced. I like that. Um, Swift, and I like that in most things. Like I like it to sound planned. That's even why I I don't dis. I I'm open to some things, but I like. I don't know. I, I, cause I'm like sitting here immediately thinking, well, I do like punk music, but I don't, I, I'm definitely more of a pop punk person, which is much more polished and produced than punk. Right. Like, um, and my initial vibe was, it was too, too fluid and too weird, but I'm back pedaling on that a little bit, especially after listening to the, it's the banana album I was listening to. Um, I think it's just called banana. There's a banana on the cover. Um, and I was, I was vibing that. So maybe I just didn't, Maybe it was because of the way everything is presented in the movie that it didn't like grab me right away. Because I had the opposite with the Sparks Brothers. I really was vibing with the music when I was watching it, and when I've tried to listen to the Sparks Brothers, I'm like, yeah, no, can't, can't do it. It's not for me. I, I like it in the movie. I don't think I can just sit and listen to them. Um, I think they're a visual experience to me too. Like I like the whole aesthetic that they got going on. I would go see them if they came anywhere close to me live. I would go see them in a heartbeat. But I see what you're saying about them because I also tried to listen because they have a really sweet box set that came out for the movie. Mm. I still feel like I should buy it, but I, I completely understand what you mean. But um, so I, I knew nothing about these guys. I actually even I barely know anything about Andy Warhol, who is a big prominent part of the both the creation of this band and also New York in the 60s, which I'm aware of that. But I have not studied him or his work, and oh, which is interesting because he did a lot of weird films. Again, though, avant-garde films not inherently my taste because I do like I am a very structurally conformist type of person. I try to be open to the the avant-garde things. I often am like 
cool, not for me. They I, and I'm aware of that at this point. Again, it might be the same as the Larry the Cable Guy joke I made about Shakespeare. Maybe it's just not in my sensibilities. Um, I I enjoyed learning about all of this. I I really think Haynes does a terrific job of crafting a unique but very very conventional documentary. And I definitely just stole words from David Ehrlich. I read his review, a, a film critic who I don't often agree with, but love the way he articulates his thoughts. Um, almost always. I think he's just a brilliant writer. I wish I could write more like him. Um, but I think he said something along those lines, so I don't want to steal his words, but I agree with him. And, uh, cause this is a, it's like, here's how the band started. And then we go till the band breaks up and like, that's the movie. And that's very conventional, especially when you consider the Bob Dylan movie that we just watched, right? Which is completely the opposite of conventional. It's wild. He has different actors playing the same person, but from different personality standpoints of that iconic figure, crazy idea for a biopic. We're here. This is a pretty straightforward documentary, but visually it's not because he's using the screen in different ways. Like we have some shots where it's just to the right side of the screen. We have a still, uh, not a still image, but a like set close up of, of art. Lou Reed. And then we have art going on on the left side. We have another video happening on the right side. The music's playing, but then there's voiceover. Like there's a lot going on. And yet it's also feels very straightforward and conventional in a good way. Um, especially for a band that could be so unconventional. So um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'd love to hear. I actually really want to hear your thoughts because this, uh, I feel like this is a band you might've already liked. Um, and if not, I feel like it's a band that is in your wheelhouse. I, okay. Okay. So I feel like a lot of people like really love this band. And so I was aware of them, uh, some of the things with, uh, about the band very superficially, I guess, like, mm-hmm. Um, like I knew I love Andy Warhol. Like I'm, I don't like watch the films, but I love his art. I love, you know, I love another artist that he worked very closely with, um, Basquiat. Um, I, so I love his art and I knew that he, he obviously made the album, the album cover because I mean, it's right there on the album cover and he has a very distinct art style. Um, but I didn't realize how involved he was like that. He like made that album, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I learned a lot. I do like this band, but I haven't listened to them in a long time. And I, I get sad about that. Sometimes I know that you do the same thing where you like get wrapped up in one album or you get wrapped up in one artist. And then all of a sudden I don't know exactly how it works for you, but I just forget about everybody else. Yeah. That definitely happens sometimes. I was moving my records on Monday, which holy heck don't. Oh my God. I wanted to die. But, um, I was like pulling my records out and moving them and then putting them back. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, this band, I forgot even existed. And I was listening to the velvet underground yesterday. I listened to, two of their albums and then i listened to i started listening to lou reed um yeah so i do like them but i don't think that i've given them enough attention i mean i i knew almost nothing um but so that's that's our spoiler free review i think we should probably go ahead and dive into any kind of spoiler talk so let's do that real fast
Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this documentary in great detail. You have been warned. Also, you have to watch it on Apple TV, guys. Right? Yes. Like, you can't even rent it anywhere. I don't believe so, uh, because it is still, like, in its release. I don't know if it will end up being purchasable. It probably mm. will. Apple TV is it's still kind of new, their, their format. I don't know if any of their original movies are available anywhere else yet. Um. Like I definitely want to own Coda at some point, and I would love to own uh, the Wolf Wa- the Wolf Whisperer, the Wolf Walker, Wolf Walkers, the animated movie from last year that oh, I yeah. adore. I would love to own that. Um, and I think that's it so far for movies that I would want to own. But uh, so I don't know for sure if anyone else will have access to it. But it is included with Apple TV Plus, and it is streamable right now. Um, and I, I I definitely think it's worth checking out if you like docs, if you like music docs. Um, or if you're a fan of this band, obviously there's a lot for you. Um, I don't, I don't know for sure if I'm going to have a lot of spoiler talk. Uh, again, also, I don't know how true spoilers are in a documentary about a pretty famous band. Um, but yeah, I have like three notes that I made and I'm like, I don't even know what I was, what these mean. Like these are terrible notes. Uh, I love it. Um, also like, I didn't know how Nico came to work with them. Um, I just I learned a I learned a lot. Yeah, I found all of that stuff really interesting. Um, a little hard to keep up with some of the people because again, for me, I a wasn't lot of people. a lot of people, right? Like so many people, and I'm like, who the, are you? Why are you talking right now? <laughs> the band changes at one point, and I thought that was like you know a lot of the band breakup stuff was, uh, pretty like predictable, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just like yeah, okay, that's what happens with bands a lot of times. Um, having been in several, nowhere near as famous, obviously, but you know, yeah, bands break up. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite lines from that thing you do is, uh, Del, Del Paxton tells, uh, shades, you know, it's like, you just keep playing, you'll land on your feet. Like it's, if you're a musician, you're your musician, you're not part, you know, and that's obviously Lou Reed, uh, who I also like, that's a name I'm familiar with, but never have I dove into his music, you know, uh, in any meaningful way. I'm sure I've heard songs, um, in movies or whatever, but it's not one, it's not an artist I've ever like actively listened to. I, so something else that I knew, so I'm like, we kind of talked about this off, you know, before we recorded, but like his song, take a walk on the wild side is that's the first thing that I think of when I think of Lou Reed, I don't even, my first thought doesn't go to the Velvet Underground. That would be like my second thought. But he also made an album with Metallica at some point. And I know that it's not a loved album. Like a lot of people talk a lot of crap about it. But I'm pretty sure they reissued it for Record Store Day or something at some point. I could be misremembering. But I just think it's so funny. And I had to look it up and it's called Lulu. I've never listened to it. I'm kind of interested. I'm not really a Metallica fan. But, you know, and I think it's interesting listening to all these people talk about him and how he's not an attractive guy. He's not a good singer. But I think he has a great voice. I think he has such a great singing voice. Um, You know, I also love just listening to him talk because I feel like it's all just so clear and well pronounced. I know that sounds so weird. 
But I was just like, oh, oh. my God, it just sounds so nice listening um, to him talk. So when they said that in the documentary, I was agreeing with them. The but when I was Like the, not the cadence, the, the not having a great singing voice. Like it sounded a little scratchy. Oh. But it was specifically the song they chose to play when he, they said that I think was a better illustration of it not being a perfect voice, right? Like he's kind of, it honestly, he reminded me more of Bob Dylan than I would have thought. Cause partly because of the cadence too, cause he does have such a distinctive singing voice mm-hmm. in how he says the words like Dylan does. He doesn't sound like Dylan, but he has that same kind of, you know, pronounced cadence where like the way he says words and stuff, feel more in line with that not stylistically i don't think they're even folk music and this is not the same if anything they're at odds with each other but which i thought was hilarious and i had no idea well and then um but when i was listening to the album i'm like no he's his voice is good like i i didn't feel the way i felt when i was listening to it so i think it might have been the the juxtaposition of hearing it and them saying that that i'm like yes you are you are right voiceover guy because i have no opinions of this music because i've never listened to it so i have I'm forming my opinion with your guidance, essentially. Uh, and so it maybe fell into that manipulation even for me. Um, I, but yeah, what again, I've, I've only listened to like six songs off of the banana album while I was waiting for you, but I liked, I was like really chilled and listening to it. So I was like vibing with it. So, and I meant their anti hippiness is what killed me. Cause I, I had no idea, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. They're also- kind of like, like pre-punk right like there's like they're not punk in terms of uh sound but in terms of like their attitude towards like the other music and stuff they're very like you know whatever we're doing our thing and we're we're not gonna adhere to what you think a band should be like we're gonna do our our stuff or whatever you know yeah and i always guys i wish we could time travel i think about that all the time and i know it sounds so weird but i was just thinking how cool it would be to be able to go back to when all of this was happening and it was just like groundbreaking and you could go see the velvet underground for three dollars at some tiny little club and no one that's there is enjoying it it sounded like um like just what a scene i feel like i would much rather be a part of that new york scene than probably whatever was happening over in california you know i don't know i just I just love how it was like such a community. It was like everything. It was music and film and art, you know, like painting and all of this stuff, which I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Um, it, it, the doc's full of like really cool little tidbits and um, it doesn't seem to like shy away from the not so flattering elements of the band. Like it's not like which I like. Right, exactly. You, you don't want it to just be like a fan made, you know, like this is the best thing ever and everybody. Obviously, he's a fan. Like, I don't question that for a second, but I didn't feel like it was completely pandering to them either, you know? I mean, I don't want, uh, I don't like when celebrities or musicians or actors that I like are complete a holes and just like n- n- unredeemable, but mm-hmm. I also like to hear that they're flawed human beings that they're you know like hearing that he was kind of difficult to work with sometimes and i quit the band i'm out of here and yeah that he had an attitude and i like googled because i know that he worked with david bowie 
And but apparently, I guess one time he smacked David Bowie. Wow. Something I'm like, which I don't think you should hurt people. I don't. I don't yeah, go no. around hitting buddy anybody. But I'm just like. I don't know. I and I just googled that and it came up. I don't know, but I just thought it was interesting because I've never heard any of this before, and I'm not condoning it, but you know. Yeah. No, I think that's <laughs> interesting to hear these stories. And like hearing that he had to go through um, elect um, shock therapy. Yeah. And I mean, they don't really actually address that though. Like, was he gay? Did he have gay tendencies? Was he bisexual? They like talked about that's why he got the shock therapy, but his yeah. parents thought, but they don't I, really. I would think by today's terms, he would be, he seemed more. Um... Bisexual. I think pansexual would be more okay. like, like he, that he wasn't really concerned with gender. It was just like if he was into you, or, he was into you. Um, okay, I, that was the vibe I got because they the, they interviewed like either his wife or girlfriend, and they said something about him being like gay, and she said I didn't care, um, or like him oh, being with word. men. Like it was it was definitely they didn't want to fixate on it either. I think that was a big part of it. They they wanted to, like he was many things but we're not going to fixate or like there's no scandal here that we're trying to market either you know like and i think that was important i feel like that was kind of the vibe of that whole warhol like group though right it was like people were just living it was it, it has almost like um the different depictions i've seen have almost all been fictional but I, it almost seems like it was just like a non-stop party of of art and leisure and there was all types of people, you know, some probably bisexual again, there was, I think far less terms at the time than what we currently have to describe people, but it definitely seemed like they were open to all areas. Yeah. I think that it's also interesting, like, cause they really did give us a sense of like the times and stuff, um, like with the gay bars and there being arrests and, you know, the treatment he had to go through and all kinds of things like that. Cause I don't feel like sometimes a documentary or even movies give a good sense of like the whole, I don't know, like a good feeling of how things really were. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and it's, sometimes they can't, they, they don't have access or whatever. And that's, it definitely helps when you have so many people willing to contribute or to, to do the talking heads and stuff. Word. And I was kind of wondering why they did an interview like, his wife that he was married to before they only, and I was like, duh, Corey, cause they only interviewed, I think the girlfriend he was with during with Velvet Underground or when they were getting started. That's what it seemed to be. Everybody was, were people that were, you know, part of when it actually was happening. Not just later. People. Yeah. Not just people that are like, Oh yeah, well I heard, you know, yeah. And I mean that the, the, the talking head interviews obviously you lose some um because Lou Reed died like oh seven? I wanna say it was a it was a little while ago, but not, not that long ago. But like oh twenty thirteen, sorry. That's closer than I thought, but still like you you can't have him talking now, but there's a lot of like audio recordings of him talking and things like that that are really cool. Um I think it adds a lot to the story. Um, oh, that movie keeps coming up. 
Oh, he's on a lot of soundtracks that I've I see. I definitely have heard more Lou Reed songs than I'm he's on Z for Vendetta, Brick. Uh I've not seen the Salt and Sea, but that is a Val Kilmer movie that is on my watch list now because I watch Val. And um I was like, well, I want to see that. But I didn't realize he had undergone a tracheotomy or whatever it's called. Val Kilmer? Yeah, not to go yeah. back to that, but Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I man, that documentary is also really good and it's so candid because one of the things that killed me is uh, because he, he can't act right now because of the, the voice and stuff. Oh. He's he's doing a lot of like comic conventions and things of that nature to like, you know, probably supplement income. Um, and he has a lot of fans and like, man, it's as a person who has been to many conventions, but I, I actively have not paid for like autographs, but like you see him like waiting and then you see people coming up and every person you you can hear it in their voice they think they've got the most clever thing for him to write on their autograph and it's like you then he cuts it so like you see this like like 30 people say can you write um you'll always be my wingman and sign it Iceman." like 30 different people saying the exact same thing like and all of them sound like they thought of it like you know like they say it with such conviction um and he's not mocking them but at the same time for me you're watching this guy who's just recovering from cancer who has a tracheotomy who is probably a little sad that he can't continue acting, having to just sign autograph after autograph of people who are not really that interested in him. They just want this thing, you know? Um, oh, and that's it, so sad when you put it that way. That's how I, I felt mean, watching anyways. it. I was just like, man, this made me recontextualize like the conventions and stuff, especially for him specifically. Cause like some people, they have no, they're, they're healthy. They're fine. He's at one point he has to like call it down and he like, is ready to like pass out because he's just still recovering from the cancer. Well, it seems like he's like resigned, you know, like, yeah. Mm. And, well, and that's the, the documentary. I, I know we're talking about Velvet Underground, but for Val, um, he has his son doing a lot of the narration because oh. oddly his son sounds exactly like him. Um, uh, and I think he's like pursuing acting even, but um, yeah, uh, there's some really cool stuff because again, it's all these like home movies and and stuff he shot. Like, there's uh, I don't know if you know much about the Island of Doctor Moreau, but it was like one of the most troubled like film shoots of all time. And there's a lot of like legend behind it. There's a documentary about the initial making of it because it is just like a doomed film at the highest regard. And um, uh, there's a part where he's like arguing with the director about him filming everything. The director is like, put that camera away. And like, so he, you don't see it, but he didn't stop recording. So you hear the conversation and it's, it's oh. pretty wild. It's very candid. Um, I, I just think it's a really cool, like insight. There's another documentary uh, from this year called uh, kid nineties. I think I'm going to look it up. Um, it's all footage that the actress that played punky Brewster. Oh, um, filmed over her her time as an actress it's called kid 90 um and i think that's on hulu even uh, i've not watched it but i've heard a lot about it and it sounds really compelling because it's like everyone she worked with on all the different shows are, are like in these like home movies and apparently it's pretty wild like some of the stuff because she was a kid in the 90s you know like with a camera um so i've heard it's quite uh insightful um salil moon fry is uh her name she's credited as director too for that but um so it's two ducks in one year with uh, like the actor found like not found footage but their footage like stuff that they just shot with friends that they're like hey i, I could tell a story with this content um and yeah 
It's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, back I feel like also I was like, God, I wonder if there's a like if they did a soundtrack to the Velvet Underground. I know that like all this music is out there, but sometimes I like to just have a soundtrack or well, like, you know what the, I mean? the songs that they picked to use for this movie kind of thing. Yeah. Um and they do. They have it. It's a I was going to say, if, if it's not, it, it definitely probably will be. Um, it's it's going to end up, I think it'll be in the Oscars, like five for documentaries. It's on the short list um, already. And I would, it, it's it's got a lot of clout um, going into it. So I, I would expect it to uh, to be there. But but um, I, have, I have nothing else to say about it, unless you have other things you'd like to talk about. To to be fair to this movie, I've watched seventeen other movies since I watched this. Um, so my brain is a little like normally I, I'm pretty fresh on what I've watched, but I've usually only watched maybe like five other movies. There's a lot I've seen this week, so my brain's like, yeah, nothing's standing out like that. I'm really like, oh, remember this one moment? It's like, nah. There's a lot of moments. They're all cool, but they're all like moments. There's nothing that I thought was like, oh my god, this was the the moment that I fell in love with this document. It's just like, no, it's just really. Really well made, really well put together. Lots of cool stories uh, about the band. That's I do want to, yeah, I'm going to say, actually, uh, go back a little bit, that I think it's interesting that, unfortunately, I don't think they would be anywhere if it wasn't for Andy Warhol, because it sounded like he kind of bankrolled all those, that early tour and stuff, and, you know, they got to make the album that they wanted to make because Andy Warhol was there in the recording mm-hmm. studio, I think they said. Yeah. Um, not that they aren't a very good band and, you know, that they didn't deserve to be, but that probably gave them a lot of liberties that other bands wouldn't have had. And I did think it was pretty funny when he was talking about, uh, before they became the Velvet Underground, that they would have to change their band name all the time because they were really terrible and nobody would hire them twice. That is really funny, actually. And that he broke his hand thinking he'd get out of playing a show on a boat. And his band member was like, well, you're a terrible guitar player anyway, so you're going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does it rate to you versus, like, the Sparks? For me, the Sparks is just above it. But yeah, I'm, same. I'm, I'm inherently biased because of Edgar Wright. Um, but I also, I just found that I really liked, I, I kind of like the cleaner presentation of Sparks. Like, it's much more... You know, he's not using like three parts of the screen at once. Um, I don't remember who wrote this. Someone called uh, the style of Velvet Underground as kaleidoscope. And mm. like that, it, it does like this like fragmented imagery, right? Like there's times where even like it looks like the, the image is being cropped oddly so that it can make room for the stuff on the other side of the screen. And it, it, at some points it isn't there. It's just like black screen on the left side for a minute. And it's very interesting but it's like cool. It's almost overstimulating at times, and yeah. um, the the sparks. I love that we get to see like their music videos and their performances because they're so visual in their their music, you know. So like I loved all of that. Um, and then I, I, the talking heads in that movie are just so stylistic and and beautiful. Like it's such an Edgar Wright vibe, um, that it just really stuck with me and. Um, I do think this is really good. I just, the Sparks is just a little better for me. Um, 
and I, Summer of Soul actually might be might be better too. Um, mm. But it's a it's not doing exactly because it's not profiling a band. It's profiling this major event that had basically not been known by people who weren't there for 50 years, which is pretty wild to see, you know, like, so it, ha- I think it gets a little bump because of that. Cause you're just like, wow, that's insane. Like it sure is. Um, I also saw the aha, the movie documentary this year, which I don't think anyone else can see yet. So it doesn't count for this year. Cause it's not officially released. I saw it at Tribeca. Um, but that was also a really cool movie, uh, music documentary that I knew very little about. Aha. I especially only knew the one song that everybody knows the, um, take me take on. on me. Take on me, sorry. The, whatever the correct verbiage is, but yes, uh, that's the only song I knew existed. Did and then I was like, oh, I'm wrong. I've heard some of these other songs, but like they're a really popular band. I had no clue, right? Like in my head, they're a one hit wonder. Very wrong. Um, so this has been a good year for Docs, though. There's been several really well made documentaries. Nice. I'll have to check out a couple more of them. And Billie Eilish, I forgot. Like that one's actually on the short list, uh, the Billie Eilish doc, which is also on Apple TV Plus. Um, it's a very good oh. documentary. Um, whether you're a fan of hers or not, I I feel like if you wrote her off because maybe it's not your style of music or whatever, um, the documentary will win you over a little bit. I, I found the documentary to really humanize her and make her feel like, you know, a functional person who deserved to be heard. I think she got in my head because she was kind of like started on YouTube. A lot of people don't think of her as like. I think we still have like the old way of music in our head that like you have to come up through like touring and stuff and we discredit YouTubers. I think the YouTube actors get the same kind of treatment. Like they're well, just cause you're a YouTuber. It's like, well, sometimes they're still talented. Like, you know what I mean? Like just because they're on YouTube doesn't mean they're not talented. I mean, it is almost 2022 also. And yes. like 20 years ago it was my space homies. Well, not 20, but like 11 years ago. Um, twenty two thousand six. I want to say maybe was um MySpace. Maybe two thousand five. Facebook's like two thousand eight or nine when it becomes like open to the world. Um, because it was it started off limited to college specific oh, yeah, colleges. That's still like sixteen, seventeen years ago. You are not far off. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forget that that's that long. Ago. I can't handle it. I know sometimes I'm like, oh, date of birth is two thousand, and I'm like, oh my god, you're twenty two almost. Um. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like that's, I mean, I'm I'm not about those in, those influencers, but you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. What do you give this movie? Oh, um, I think I'm going to go not quite golden, uh, leaning towards must see, but just, just under. I think I'm going to, oh, I'm really torn. I think I'm going to go with the same. I think it could have been a little bit shorter, guys. I think that, yeah, but I learned a lot of very interesting stuff. Yeah, that that works for me. I, I don't have anything to complain about with that. Um, not that I should. It's your, your opinion. You can have whatever opinion you want, Corey. Um, but uh, that is our episode. Oh, boy. I don't know what I just did. Um, that is our episode for the Velvet Under. Wow. I've done all sorts of weird things on my computer. Um We'll, uh, we have one more episode for Through the Cracks, and that is a movie whose title I will never get right, is uh, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, which is currently on Shudder? 
Yeah, it just went to Shutter after we bought it. Yes, yeah, so we purchased it, and then Shutter's like, "No worry, guys, we got you." And we're like, "Oh, <laughs> they've done that um, to us a few times. Why do we keep buying things?" I yeah, really don't need to. Like, I, I was gonna buy Stardew Valley today for the PC, and then realized it was available on Game Pass, which I already have. I'm like, okay, I'm glad I didn't buy it because I would have been pretty frustrated um, that I dropped ten bucks to own it when I just wanted. I don't even know if I'm gonna like it. I just want something. Stardew Valley's worth that. I I've heard good things um, for many years. Uh, but I, I just, you know, like I gotta, I gotta stop because I have so many subscription services. I have to stop buying and need to check. Are they on any of these things that I pay for already? Um, but nevertheless, um, we will be watching and reviewing that the last movie of 2021 before we move into next year's, uh, list of themes and movie selections and all of that. Um, so if you like what we're doing here, we ask that you, uh, follow us on social media. I'm at Burke reviews and Corey at Corey, our star two R's on the end. And you can give us that five star rating. If you actually listen to us on anchor.fm, they just added a rating system there. So I'd love to have that, uh, rating. Um, but you can also, you know, if you use, uh, still use Apple music or iTunes or whatever they're calling that now, or Spotify, wherever you listen to us, you drop the five star rating. It just helps other people find the show a show we've now been doing for five full years after next week's episode, um, which is pretty wild. Uh, and in fact, if you ever want to see what movies we've done, I have a list on letterbox for every year of the show um, so that you can just look at those individual lists. So um, organized. I, I like to keep up with it. Uh, so yeah, listeners, thank you uh, for all the, the support for all these years. We are very, very grateful we do this because it's a good way of staying in contact since we live so far away and we are friends first, podcast partners second. Um, although they did kind of go hand in hand. But nevertheless, uh, we are grateful for all the, the work. Have a good Christmas. Um, we will be back for the new year and uh, continuing on to this tradition. So thanks, folks. And remember, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.